0: Welcome to the Day Zero Update for November 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Oloji. I'm Brandon Perkins,
1: And I'm Dan Victoria. victorio
0: And yeah, we've got a pretty good week of news this week. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of acquisitions of some interesting uh, developers. Uh, we got some stuff that is coming out for your various subscription services, or has come out. At this point, uh, we got an update on what's going on with Deltarune uh,
2: for the first time in a while. Yeah, Toby's been surprising, been kind of quiet about it. I think yeah. because he's got like a team working with him now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, then we got a
0: you know some big uh, bad news out of Microsoft and Bungie. Uh, some not great things happening there, and yeah, we got plenty of games to talk about as well. A couple of new indies came out this past week that uh, we've been looking forward to. So, yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff here. Uh, and I'll kick it off here with what we've been playing. I've uh, been playing some Sant, the new Don't Nod game uh, that is unlike most of their other games uh, in that it is a climbing platformer adventure yeah. game of sorts where you're essentially kind of coming in, you know, you're walking to what I assume is the uh, the ocean floor that has you know dried up uh, from global warming I assume um, and you come upon this structure that people have been living in for some time uh, in various parts of this giant tower rock tower thing uh, and so you start you know climbing it and you're able to find you know notes and such from different people that have lived there that kind of stuff and the the climbing very much reminds me of The uh, stuff in, like, Grow Home, uh, where you kind of have a little more freeform control on how you go up, though, and, you know, Grow Home, you kind of just, climb, you know, grab onto anything, whereas here you kind of have more bespoke, you know, uh, rock structures that you can grab onto to climb up for the most part, Um, as well as it evolves a little bit with some uh, plants and such that give you... Uh, things to hold on to uh that kind of stuff and yeah it's it has a good it does a good job of feeling uh it gets more challenging as you go as you're trying to figure out how to manage your stamina as you you know uh take jumps i think is the the big thing that uh drops your max stamina and there's been a few times where I've nearly run out just trying to figure out where to go. Though some of that is also the the controls for the climbing can be a little clumsy at times. I've definitely had uh, attempts to try to jump up over gaps and have it uh, do something else instead. I've had uh, my character's arms kind of get twisted up in weird ways uh, as I'm trying to figure out how to get around places or even trying to climb around and it doesn't recognize the direction that my analog stick is going in. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's like the main real negatives is just kind of a, a little bit of, uh, uh, bugginess and weirdness around the controls that, uh, I was hoping not to have as much of, but it's there. Uh, you get it on occasion, but, uh, it doesn't really spoil too much of the experience. And so, yeah, I am probably about two hours into the game, uh, I think, like, two chapters in, I forget how they break up the game uh, for that stuff. Because um, your initial part of it, you're going to go and activate this this uh, machine on the tower that I don't really know what the purpose of. There's, there's no dialogue in this game. It's only text notes. And so there's maybe stuff on the notes I probably should have paid more attention to on how things work, but... Uh, So far, I'm kind of getting up to these areas where uh, they're, you know, doing more weird stuff as they get you up and higher up to the, on this tower. So that's kind of where I'm at on that game. Uh, Still enjoying it a lot. Uh, Looking forward to put some more time into it. But yeah, that's Jusant. That's on, I think, just PS5, Xbox Series X and S and PC. I don't think there's a Switch version on that one. Uh, So that's. Uh, there, but the it's also on Game Pass on uh, Xbox and PC, so you can play it there as well. Uh, so there's Dusant. uh The other game I've been playing, it's also on Game Pass, is Thirsty Suitors. That is on everything, I believe, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Uh, that is basically uh, Indian uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, where you are controlling Jala, who is a uh, woman who's had a, a turbulent love life um has sort of left town with uh a love interest that did not go well and in that uh kind of whole sequence they she burns a lot of bridges with people in her family and friends and her exes uh particularly is a sore spot for them as you know when you get through the the initial stuff as you kind of go through uh your first fight is kind of a uh, against one of your, not really an ex because you never really dated, but it's like a, uh, a dude that was in your class in like third grade that had a crush on you, and has not, uh, really grown out of that, at all. So you just happen as you're coming back into town, run into them, and go into this big old boss fight kind of situation that, uh, yeah, works out pretty neat. I played about two hours of this they kind of throw in some interesting stuff throughout so the early time early days you're doing a lot of tutorializing stuff but uh initially like once you get to your parents house and figure out like what you're going to do um which is like you find out your sister is getting married and that she you know has not talked to you at all because of the things you have done to her like ghosted her and all that uh, so that's sort of one of your key things you're doing. So you're trying to figure out like where the hell is she? Cause you know, your parents are not willing to help you out on that. They want you to, uh, you know, mend this, you know, bridge that you have uh, broken between them two uh, on your own. And so you're kind of going through these different avenues and finding other people to help you out on that. So that kind of leads to some interesting scenarios. So like early on, you're going to, you go to the the main town uh, of this sort of dying town of sorts. Uh, there was supposed to be a big theme park, bear-themed park, that uh, ended up not panning out. And that kind of uh, killed the town, essentially, as far as, you know, growing uh, things around there. Um, so you're kind of talking to your aunt, who in sort of... Dramatic fashion is like just constantly bench pressing, you know, lifting weights, all that kind of stuff. And you talk to her about, you know, family stuff and you find out, oh, your grandma uh, who does not like your mom. Cause she married outside of uh, Indians. She married a Sri Lankan man. So she doesn't have fond memory or fond uh, feelings for your mother, though. Uh, having grandchildren, that mends it somewhat. Though your sister, I believe, just from what I'm being told, is marrying also outside of the Indian culture, so you're like the last one uh, remaining uh, in the family. Uh, that means that like all your random battles are suitors that have supposedly been sent by your grandma, uh, potential you know love, uh, uh, you know people to date and whatnot, and they're all pretty pathetic, uh, the ones you meet. Um, so when you're kind of out and about the town, there's like these gifts that they talk about as like trick-or-treat mm-hmm. of sorts, um, where it's like you get probably some health item or whatever, uh, or it'll be a fight against two, you know, one or two uh, weirdos who are trying to hit on you and all that. Mm-hmm. And the, the battle system's pretty s- uh, simple for the most part. It's kind of Paper Mario-ish, but if you had to do more than just hit the button to you know maximize damage at the right time it more or less puts up you know quick time event stuff uh to hit buttons at the right time or swirl the stick or whatever it mm-hmm. needs you to do um it has accessibility options to minimize some of that stuff so you can just hold buttons and whatnot yeah. instead of mashing and doing all that so you can adjust that as much as you want to there mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're often trying to put enemies into states of like rage or thirst, is one of them. Hmm. Um, those kind of things, and you get you have special moves that you can do on enemies in those states that do extra damage, that kind of stuff. Uh, so nothing really too complicated. But but the the fights against the the exes and you know whatnot, people in her life, uh, are there going to be the the wild stuff? Because uh, yeah, the the fight against like your old third grade mm-hmm. uh, crush was very much done as like a uh, you fight him initially in the in the diner, and then you go like inside his mind to fight, finish him off, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where he is more powerful, that kind of stuff. And yeah, they they play off a lot of Indian culture, you know, South oh, yeah. Asian culture stuff. Where there's cooking. Or just immigrant
2: and culture in general. Yeah, uh
0: there's cooking to this which is you dealing with your mom uh trying to follow recipes that she's trying to teach you and you are um building up the like this uh heat currency that you can spend on like doing better uh versions of the the things you're supposed to do to make a thing or like compliment her as she's you know showing you what to do like that kind of stuff. Uh, they play a lot of uh, uh they have a lot of good things to add flavor to this and so like the the dad is a really good character who you know is very much playing the the good dad you know like you know good cop bad cop kind of thing he's the the good cop in the in the family always willing to make dad jokes and you know they have a, a good, some good moments early on where Uh, your character sort of hangs out with the dad watching TV at night. And as she falls asleep, he picks her up and carries her up to her room kind of thing Uh, doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, like when you're out about in the town, you're skateboarding and it's not Tony Hawk style where you're hitting tricks or anything. Uh, It's more just grinding and all that. And you're building up combos and such. And it's, it sounds more complicated than it really is. Um, your combos, you can build up pretty easily. And then uh, what you do from there is it just kind of slowly ticks down. Um, so you're kind of just able to keep combos going for as long as you want. But yeah, like the, the second area you get to is the former theme park that's been turned into a skate park by Skate Punks. So that's uh, that's kind of where I left off where I'm about to challenge the Skate Punks for some cred and figuring out, like, what the next step is, but that's a game that seems like it's going to be really cool and uh, has a lot of style and uh, uh, fun moments and some real heartfelt stuff as well. Cause your, your character is trying to atone for their past mistakes and all that and try to be a better person. And they kind of play that out in the way that you make your dialogue choices where uh, every time you level up, you put points into these three different personality traits that are I forget how they're laid out. There's like star. Uh there's two others I forget what they are, but um you kind of put points into that, but if you're consistently making choices in one of the ways, it'll just add points automatically to that stuff. And so yeah, like when you start the game it goes through essentially like a, a dating profile quiz kind of thing and sort of starts putting points into stuff for you. So yeah. It's It's one of those games that seems full of a lot of stuff to do, and so I'm looking forward to putting some more time into that. Uh, So that's Thirsty Suitors on pretty much everything and Game Pass, so you can check that out. Uh, The other one I've been playing, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. I got this at launch um, on PlayStation. And yeah, this, this is a collection that is good mainly because the games in it are good. Uh, not because the the people that worked on the game uh and Konami like funding this that you know to give a shit about these games, making them you know as good as they deserve to be for the legacy they have for konami uh specifically uh so you know you have Metal Gear Solid one, two and three uh, yep. you have Metal Gear one and two, as well mm-hmm. as the n e s Metal Gear one and two, yep, and the digital graphic novels that are on the PSP for Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2. Yep. And you have master books for each of the games, or each of the the main Metal Gear Solid games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I forget if there's one for the... So when you buy this, uh, if you buy the whole thing, you get five separate things to install. Yeah. Uh, One for Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3. One for Metal Gear 1 and 2. And then there's a bonus content launcher. That is where the NES games are hidden and the uh, digital graphic novels are hidden at. Mm-hmm. And yeah, each one has a master book that is sort of, here's all, you know, Metal Gear universe information, stuff about the story of the games and the characters, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff. I think these are actual books that they sold at one point. Um, and they also have a, I uh, think that has the the entire script book yeah. for the game. So you can literally go through uh, the, I think the one, the launchers for metal gear one and two and metal gear solid one have trophies for specifically scrolling through that entire book, Mm. uh, the script book. So that's weird. The two and three have the trophy list from the original HD versions Mm. that blue point made as well as when you launch them, you'll see the blue point logo. So it's, those exact collections and the same visual fidelity those had, but now they're selling it for you know 4K TVs. Yeah. Where that stuff doesn't hold up as much anymore. Um you can see that all also in the the books that they have that the their low res scans. I don't know if they're like 720p or 1080p scans or something, but they're definitely not four K scans on that stuff. Uh so like i had it like at the, the native uh you know resolution that the those things in, not zoomed in or anything. And like the text just doesn't look great on a TV unless I zoom in more, that kind of stuff. Where yeah, it's just like this stuff's a really cool bonus material, but it's not uh you know, should have been re-scanned in to high res, made it look as nice as possible. Like the the digital graphic novels, you can tell they're at the pretty much the same resolution that they were on the PSP. So the text kind of just looks grungy at times, that kind of stuff. Uh, same for you know most of the text in Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three, that kind of stuff. And yeah, they the other weird thing is so if you know how uh, those games controlled on the the PS One and PS Two, uh, the Uh, the way that they used, you know, circle for confirm, X for going back. Uh, They keep that on the launcher for Metal Gear Solid 1, and that's the default control on, you know, in the game itself. They didn't change anything there. Um, But when you want every other launcher, uses X to confirm and circle to back. So I'm sort of just, like, confused why they didn't just do that. Like, I had that an option in all of them, just whichever one you want, or why the one game is different than the others. I get it's probably because they want to mirror what the game itself has, but it's also like who really cares? Yeah. Uh, Because you'll just figure it out as you're playing Metal Gear Solid anyway. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the the thing there. I did a stream of this, played a a little bit of each of the games. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, they're all good games. They're all yeah you know, one, two, and three, are all very good games, uh, some of the games that you know were the most impressive of their eras when they came out, and so that stuff all holds up pretty well yeah. Um, but yeah, there's no like save states, there's no rewind or anything, there's no extra features, no anything that was done to improve things mm-hmm. that You know you expect out of a lot of other collections and even ones you know that cover games of these eras Mm -hmm. uh, for the the ps1 and ps2 and all that and yeah it's a it's a collection that's propped up by the quality of the games not the the quality of the the collection the presentation and all that Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah that's kind of Uh, The weird thing, and yeah, like you get uh, the manuals for the game. You can kind of look at the the box art, but they remove all the original platform-specific stuff off of it. Mm -hmm. So like Metal Gear Solid 1 is just literally a white box with the red letters, you know, for Metal Gear Solid 1. Mm. Tactical espionage action on it, so. And that doesn't even have the code on the back. Mm. So like the the code that you need in Metal Gear Solid uh, at a certain point is not accessible unless it's in the manual um, and that stuff's uh, a little bit weird to access uh, I think get to hits r1 l1 at, you know together to bring up a secondary manual that lets you you know quit out back to the the main menu that kind of stuff uh, though those are not on the ps2 games uh, Edgar Solid two and three that's just the the other games in the collection so that's just like a weird thing that lets you you um, back out or whatever Uh, but the other ones I had to I jumped into the Snake Tales thing which is like a little separate additional playable thing where you played as Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, sort of before Raiden shows up and so that was like a little weird thing but I couldn't figure out how to back out of that to the game itself so I just quit out and start the game back up again so yeah it's it's a collection that leaves a lot to be desired but Everything that's in it is pretty solid for what it is, but yeah, you can clearly tell that Konami did not want to invest anything into making this collection as good as it deserved to be, especially since they have you know completely burned the bridge with Kojima and his team and sort of kicked them out of there in the, after the after they you know sort of finished Metal Gear Solid Five. So that's that. That's out on everything the switch versions seem like the worst ones out there at the at the moment everything runs at thirty fps uh even the stuff that runs at sixty fPS everywhere else um, and that's just weird because those are p s two games that you know seem like they should run on a switch pretty well, but whatever they're doing here they're just not going that extra mile that you would want out of these games on I mean, all these all these platforms. So there you go on that. Um, yeah. The last game I'm playing more of is Spider-Man two. Uh, I am at the point where Spider-Man has his symbiote suit, and he's trying to figure out things that are going on uh, with uh, Kraven and all that. Uh, I have my ideas about what's going on, but I'm also doing a lot of the side stuff as well. So uh, dealing with uh, Mysterio stuff, which is pretty neat. That's sort of just, combat sequences but in you know in his way they're sort of virtual simulations uh for that stuff uh dealing with the another cult that's sort of you know piling up now with uh, uh that you see a lot of early on that kind of disappears for a while and now seems to be back doing stuff so i got some things with that so yeah i'm trying to do a lot of side stuff and get that done, especially because I am—I have a lot of upgrades that need hero tokens and that is all reliant on that kind of stuff, so uh, that's where I'm at with Spider-Man 2. I am annoyed that they keep taking my suit off on Peter because he has the symbiote suit that's needed for certain missions, and that's the only suit they want on him at that point, so I was annoyed, especially when you get to the the mission that leads up to him getting that suit and he shows up in his regular old spider-man suit whereas every other mission cutscene you get is in the i have the cape suit so i have the the very goofy looking suit on him so that's kind of the uh been the one disappointment is that their insistence on you know matching the suit that you have on and the rest of the game met you know is done in the cutscenes but because of the story stuff that's going on they override that here where i'm at in the story so that's kind of uh The minor issue that I have at the moment. But otherwise, nothing really to complain about just yet. So that's been pretty much it for me. So Brandon, what have you been doing?
2: Well, much like you, I've also been playing just not. And um, I don't think I've gotten much further than you have. Uh, The game is like, at least starting out, it does a really good job of showing you like this is where you can, you know, possibly uh, climb and use. But it does get to sort of a point where you do have to think about it a little bit and it becomes more of a puzzle um, because there, one is, I think you mentioned this, you have this little uh, blue friend that comes around with you and they have the power to, like, manipulate giant plants and stuff. Um, and you have to find ways to use that in order to, like, get, along, get over these huge stretches of, Basically unclimbable rock face. Um, it's it's it, but other than that, like it's it's still a lot of fun, um, very enjoyable. I do much like uh, Chris. I do recommend it. Um, on top of that, uh, I have also been playing, uh, still playing uh, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. I have now completed the uh, the original Shovel Knight. Uh, I've also completed the Plague Knight game as well, and now I'm sort of in the middle of going between Spectre Knight and King Knight. Um Specter Knight's arguably the hardest of the four. Um, but yeah, all those games, it's just it's 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 only twenty five dollars and yet you get a so much quality for honestly that little amount of money. It's crazy. And it's just made me really anticipate Mina Mina the Hollower and Hope that they hurry up and finish that, because I really want to play it now. Um, But on top of that, I also sort of went back and started playing Starfield again uh, last night. And I got to the part where I figured out what happened to Earth. Because, you know, it's always sort of like a thing in these types of games where it's like, okay, so... Like in Mass Effect, you know, Earth is still very much a thing it's still sort of the cradle of humanity um even though humanity is spreading out but you know part of the backstory that you hear in starfield is that humanity essentially had to flee the planet more or less and the ones that did you know those were the people that were ended up under the banner of the united colonies um and then of course the group of them broke away and became the free star collective there's that whole story but you have to go to the solar system which is you know our galaxy for one of the uh missions that you have to do because you have to go to mars to uh pick up something and while you're there in the solar system if you want you can absolutely go to earth even if you can't really recognize it because it's literally a giant dust ball basically um Essentially what happened in the Starfield uh, universe is that at some point its uh, magnetosphere basically started decaying and the atmosphere started leaking out. And so basically humanity had about 50 some odd years before they had to leave the planet entirely because it would become inhospitable. And like it's just like there's no water whatsoever. There is no life on the planet. It is entirely just dust. You can see, like, the vague outline of the continents, uh, but, like, that's it. And if you go to, like, certain parts of the planet, you can see, like, old remnants of, like, old, say, like, you can find the pyramids of Giza. uh, You can find a remnant of the Empire State Building and stuff like that, but it's basically nothing. It is extremely eerie. Um, But, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, Dan Reb, what about you?
1: yeah so, like you guys, I have been playing Geasant, uh or jason um i've already finished the game. I was a head reviewer on it. I gave the game a three out of, uh, three and a half out of five and um yeah, like i'm a huge fan of um most of don't nod's games, but primarily with the walking simulator kind of stuff. Um, oops, sorry about that uh, when it came to games like uh vampire and um uh Harmony the Fall of reverie, um, I found those games a little bit more on the boring side whereas Just is a lot a lot more gameplay based like you you do have some deep narrative in here. But at the end of the day, it's about, you know, climbing this tower or, um, you know, just just this place to to get to the top. And I really enjoyed the pacing of it, you know, Um, again, it's all about climbing. So you're using the left and right shoulder buttons to figure out how to how to get up there. And then, as Brandon mentioned before, um, there's a whole lot of uh, environmental aspects to look out for where the climbing really feels like a puzzle. Because, like, you know, this isn't like Zelda or um, one of the new Assassin's Creed games where you can just climb everything you see. You have to, like, climb specific things.
2: Say, I was comparing it more to, like, Uncharted, where, you know, climbing is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, except the main thing with Uncharted, though, is that with Uncharted, it's like you, you have obvious handholds. And with this, it's not as obvious. And then once you get to a part where, you know, you're in the middle of your climb... Um, As you mentioned, you can use your little blue friend to go ahead and activate these flowers that'll, you know, set up vines or have uh, temporary places to, you know, uh, hold on to yourself. And what I really like about this is the rope mechanic. You know, um, that bungee cord allows you to, it it covers a lot of ground, but if you don't remember to zip it up as soon as you're on your feet, uh, you could find yourself in awkward situations. Um, I had a situation where, um, I don't know if you guys got uh, very far and I think it was the... um, third chapter with the windmill where you're supposed to like um lasso yourself up on um these wooden planks and then all of a sudden just swing to a nearby windmill um the reason why i had trouble with that was because i kept forgetting to wind my cord up and i had no cord left and i had to just repeat that sequence um over and over but um yeah it's it's interesting um hearing all of your perspectives on it like you know chris was talking about how um the setting took place in what used to be the ocean and whatnot and um honestly when it comes to the plot i didn't really care um it's a, it's a tell or not telltale it, it's a don't not game so you'll see a lot of like collectibles in the environment and um that's how it really sets up the lore with the environmental storytelling and the artifacts you'll find and i don't know they were just too long for me and i didn't really care to read all of them um and yeah um I finished the game uh, in about three days. It's about six hours total. Uh, I believe there are six chapters in the game, so uh, pretty memorable there. Each chapter had like certain aspects that made them really different. Obviously, the first chapter was the introduction. Uh, the second one introduces the um, ability to go ahead and manip- manipulate the environment, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself in caverns, you find yourself dealing with wind, and it's it, w- it was pretty cool just seeing all the curveballs that the game throws at you in order to get to... a. The last point, which it, it had a really, really weird ending. Um I'm sure it makes more sense if you actually read the lore, which I didn't do. Um but yeah, like it's that this game was very mysterious and unlike any of um any other uh don't not game I played, like it doesn't force feed you the story. Like there's a lot of stuff for you to figure out on your own. And I really enjoyed that about that. So again a three and a half out of five. It's not the best indie game I've played this year. That uh, distinction belongs to a Sea of Stars, but yeah um i really really enjoyed it uh next i've also been playing a whole lot of spider-man 2 i think i'm near the ending now um i've gotten to a point where i know who venom is and we're already fighting so yeah i think i'm near the ending um the main thing i did uh really was just to uh find all of um craven's bases so that i can learn more about his backstory before getting into his fight and yeah uh I really enjoyed um, a, a lot of the bosses I've played so far. Um, I, I dealt with uh, Lizard, I dealt with Mr. Negative, and like they, they were really interesting um, boss fights because they really just forced you to use a lot of your abilities. I remember playing um, Spider-Man 2018 and Miles Morales, and I didn't even really use a whole lot of the suit abilities, I really just, you know, uh, web slung and just attacked on my way there, whereas with this game it just feels a whole lot more difficult in that regard. Um, i think i mentioned last week that i also have a lot of fun with um mj's missions you know you're just doing a whole lot of detective stuff you're sneaking up on enemies and just tasing them that way very reminiscent of the last of us and yeah like i'm i'm really just enjoying um all the ways that the game switches perspective in order to um really tell the story that it's trying to tell and yeah spider-man will definitely be uh high for me in my top 10 and uh Looking forward to you know finishing the game and uh, hopefully getting the platinum real soon, and then I've also been playing Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, I think I've beaten about four worlds now. I think six are required to really finish the game, and yeah, like I I continue to be amazed by all of the um, uh, Wonder Flower segments because they 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 do things like you know you're not only changing the makeup of the level but oftentimes you're also dealing with the uh the genre being changed as well like um there was there was one point where it turned into an overhead shooter um there was one point where um it, it, it turned into just a uh, speed platformer and like yeah it's 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 really just um in- enjoyable and i'm, I'm it, it's one of those things where since you have the authority to like uh play whatever level you want to play within that world um i've uh gotten to a point where i didn't feel like any level was bad or i don't really feel like i'm um, having to uh, go through them like, uh, like a chore it, it, it's all been really um, enjoyable and I, I've been playing with my brother so after we finish it I plan on playing some more levels on my own see how it uh, changes without relying on anybody else and um, yeah that's uh, pretty much it there um, I'm pretty much on a race with myself to finish both uh, Mario Wonder and Spider-Man 2 before um, uh, before Mario RPG comes out so there's that I did pick up WarioWare but I haven't popped it in yet So, yeah, that's about it.
0: All right. So, yeah, let's get to some news with a new month here. Uh, There's new stuff for your subscription services. Uh, We have PlayStation Plus here uh, for the essential lineup for the month uh, with some uh, not great games, but probably fine stuff. uh, Let's see, for PS4, Mafia 2 Definitive Edition, uh, the second game in that series that's, you know, it's a pretty solid game. Uh, it's very—it's a rare open world game of that era that isn't yep. full of side activities and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It's kind of just, hey, here's the story missions. You can kind of look for some a couple of collectibles there, especially I think it's Playboy magazines they have in there. Yep. Um, and that's kind of it. Which is why when I played the demo, I found a lot of fun just finding a, a little pier that people were hanging out at and pushing them into it. Because there's no concept of swimming, so their body just sinks into the darkness in the water, and you kind of make your own fun that way with that game. So, yeah, that's a that's a pretty solid game there. Uh, let's see, second one here also for the PS4, Dragon Ball The Breakers. This is the Dragon Ball version of the you know four v one kind of game, uh, though I think this might have six v one. Uh, as I mentioned, a team of, oh, 7v1 maybe. 7 Ordinary Citizens try to survive the Raider. Uh, one of the classic Dragon Ball bosses like Cell, Frieza, or Boo. Uh, I believe this is coinciding with their new season where they're adding some new stuff to it. I'm not 100% sure what. Um, but it seems like it's a pretty decent game, but could definitely use some more people playing it, and I'm I'm interested in trying this game because it just seems so, so weird. Because uh, I know that some of the the survivors that are in this game is like uh Balma and oolong a uh, couple of characters that you know don't really have any abilities uh, as far as fighting, so that's a neat game there and then uh, the last one aliens fire Team elite this is uh one of those left for dead type of games uh set in the aliens universe. I heard it's pretty all right um, but kind of falls into the the trap of. Uh, that these games either make your marines super powerful, so you're just mowing down xenomorphs, unlike you know what happens in most of the movies, uh, or you know the the xenomorphs are super powerful and you get something like uh, what was it the the other aliens game with Ripley's daughter uh, invasion I think it is, um, where you they are unkillable and you just have to survive and get around the station that kind of stuff, but This one goes in the the power fantasy stuff, like uh, Aliens, hence they put Aliens instead of Alien. But uh, So yeah, if you need one of those, that seems like it's uh, probably a decent one of those. But yeah, that's kind of your lineup there for the month. Uh, Some alright games. Uh, They do mention at the bottom here that's for the month of November. Uh, The uh, Sony Pictures Core app that they have, uh, some extra movies on there to stream have yeah, PS Plus, uh, whatever it is, I think it's just any PS Plus tier. Um, they're giving you fifteen percent off on all purchases or rentals of Sony Pictures movies. So, if any of this stuff interests you, you yeah. can buy them in there. But uh, they also mentioned that there—that's the let's see—the Silent Hill Ascension series that's going on, mm-hmm. streaming series that is very weird for the first one, new one in like a decade. Um, yeah. That's yeah, it's like an interactive series that is streaming on Twitch, I think,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, where people are making decisions to influence how the story goes. And I guess if you are on PlayStation Plus Premium, yeah, uh, you get early access, uh, twenty-four hour X early access before the like finished episodes that are tightened up with all the the decisions and such yeah. into it as like actual thing you can watch versus interacting. Uh, so you get to check that stuff out a little bit early, mm-hmm. to see what's what the people made. Which I've heard weird things about that show. So much so that they closed the chat mm-hmm. on Twitch because people are being that weird about oh, yeah. it. So yeah, there you go. So games lineup pretty decent stuff, but nothing amazing there. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, and then for Game Pass. Uh, they happen to co you know coincide this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see is for the next couple of weeks uh, available now. Headbangers Rhythm Royale that's the battle royale game, but featuring a lot of rhythm games, rhythm mm-hmm. mini games in it. Uh, as you're playing, you know various uh, cosmetically customized pigeons. Yeah, so that's a weird thing. Uh, Jusant we already mentioned, and War Tales is also on there. Mm-hmm. console and pc that's an open world rpg of yeah. sorts so that's something you check out uh thirsty suitors mentioned that's already on there yeah uh rest of these are coming up uh november 6th football manager 2024 for the pc that's you know uh soccer manager game where you're managing a team and doing all that stuff so you can check that out so i guess also console okay yeah that's right they those are separate games because the console version I think is a version of the mobile version. Something like that. But that's also available. Uh console and PC. Uh, let's see. Dungeons 4 is on November 9th. Uh, that's a dungeon management game, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah, you're making dungeons for the good guys to run through that kind of stuff. And so you're managing that. So that's console and PC on November 9th. And then also November 9th is like a dragon guide. the man who erased his name console and PC. So that's the, uh, the spin-off like a dragon game where Kazuma Kiryu has faked his death yep. and abandoned his name. And you're sort of trying to figure out what all he's doing this for. Yep. So there you go for that. Uh, you know Wild Hearts for EA Play so if you have Game Pass Ultimate or EA Play on any of the platforms Xbox PC or PlayStation you can check that out on November 9th that's the uh uh Monster Hunter like from I forget who I think it's from Tecmo um so yeah or yeah that's them partnering up with Tecmo for that so that's that's a pretty solid game one of those neat style to it so uh there you go for that. Uh, November thirteenth, Spirit. Uh this is an indie let's see, cute, cozy life sim inspired by Stardew Valley and Spirited Away. Oh yeah, you're yeah, you're playing like a spirit that is helping to run a bathhouse, mm-hmm. uh, making friends with uh people in the town. Mm-hmm. And yeah, doing stuff like bug catching, karaoke, and finding all the spirits and all that kind of stuff. So uh there you go, that's a neat premise for one of those. And then the, the last one they have here for November 14th is Coral Island. I believe this is hitting 1.0 at this point uh, for Xbox Series X and S. Oh. And that's uh, another one of those life sims. Yeah. Uh, but you're on an island. Uh, so you're kind of doing that stuff, dealing with animals, building relationships with people, and doing all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the, the Game Pass lineup as far as I can see here. So some mm-hmm. pretty good stuff there people should check out, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's see, not to be left out, Nintendo uh, stealthily announced new games for Nintendo Switch Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Game Boy title and two NES titles. Uh, I do a stream of these, so I can tell you all about them. Mm. Uh, for the NES, there's Devil World. This is yep. a game made by Shigeru Miyamoto, Takashi, Tezuka, and Koji Kondo before yep. Super Mario Bros.
2: Yeah, it's one of the handful of it's like the only Miyamoto game that never made it West in the old days. Yeah. Probably because uh Lots of religious stuff all over it. Yeah, lots yeah. of uh, lots of that. Yeah, but it's essentially it's like it's kind of like Pac-Man, more or less. Like it's it's very obviously inspired by Pac-Man.
0: Yeah, it's Pac-Man where you're playing a uh a f- a weird frog dragon dude who is uh, essentially, in one stage, you are collecting uh, crosses that let you collect the pellets and then mm-hmm. but as you're doing that, the stage is like moving around or the barriers of the stage are moving around uh so you're when you and also when you have a cross, you can shoot fireballs at the uh the ghosts or whatever the the creatures that the devil has sent at you um and as you get further into the game the those creatures get more and more challenging. Uh, but the mm-hmm. earlier ones you start off against are pretty easy. Yeah. And so once you get all the pellets, you go to the second stage, which is where you're collecting Bibles from the corners of the screen, and so it's oh scrolling around as it does. Um, but you collect one of those, so you take it to the like uh, the spawner box in the middle of the screen, uh, though oh it's moving around with the the rest of the the field. But you're essentially putting that on that box to you know put a wall around one of the sides. Mm. Um, and so you get all four to, you know, solidify all four sides of that to seal it off. Then you move to the next stage, which is pellets, and then go to the Bible, and then pellets and Bible. And as you do that, it gets progressively harder. But within it, so uh, you get rewind and save states, so it's not as hard as it it would be normally. So there you go. That's a it's a pretty solid game, pretty playable as a, a game that never came over to the U.S. So. Uh, but it does make sense when you're playing it why it didn't... Because all the religious stuff, Nintendo at that point would not have felt great about bringing it over in the middle of like, the, the D&D panic and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably makes a lot of sense there. Um, the other NES game is another uh, one that did not come over originally, the Mysterious Murasame Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of a top-down action game, uh, which... I've seen it like into the Legend of Zelda, but it's more like the Legend of Zelda at like two hundred percent speed. because uh, it is constant enemies spawning in. Yeah. Uh you attacking them, you are easily killed. Uh there's no real adventure elements to it. Uh, this mm-hmm. is one I recommend getting a guide for because it'll show the the all the, the screens in the current level. And will show yeah. you where all the power ups are so that you can get like triple shots so that your sort of range shots can get more powerful more easily because so if you're just wandering, you're not going to necessarily notice and has power-ups that you have to go to like specific sections of the screen to mm. unveil before you pick them up. Yeah. And so it's definitely like one of those games where you have this extra info. It makes it a lot more interesting and fun, but if you're just playing it, you know, set and scene without anything, mm. you're probably going to play it for like 30 seconds and quit because you're like, what the fuck is this game? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Because it's one of those games where it's hard on purpose to give you more, more to do Mm -hmm. as you learn how to play it. But without a guide, you don't really understand what's going on because it's you know a Japanese game. Yeah, never got localized, so there's no supplemental material to really guide you along or anything. But uh, the Game Boy game is Castlevania Legends. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a Game Boy title that. Uh, features Sonia as she was going to become a big part of the franchise. Uh, She was going to be the Mm -hmm. the main protagonist of the Dreamcast Castlevania game before that got cancelled. Yeah, And then this game, uh, Koji Igarashi, basically said, fuck this game, it's not part of the the timeline anymore Mm -hmm. after it came out. um, This was a 1998 Game Boy game, so very late. Oh, Oh, yes. And I was playing this and it uh, I looked up the scores and it was like a lot of fours, you know, fours or fives out of tens. I was mm-hmm. like, this makes a lot of sense. Cause this feels like a classic Castlevania game, but in the era that, you know, you had Rondo of blood and symphony of the nights and mm-hmm. this other stuff that was better. Um, this feels like a game that's like, it's pretty good for what it is. If you're playing it without any context, but uh, everything it's doing is boilerplate castlevania stuff um, mm-hmm. well after you know there were what four or five mainline games mm-hmm. at this point plus a couple of game boy games that were from the early 90s that did this stuff and it's like why would you need another one of these
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but it does have a game boy color mode to it so you get some extra color detail to it um and, like, some of the the, the 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 gameplay stuff I liked. It's like, you can crouch walk. Like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You don't expect that out of Game Boy games.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But also the game, you know, the visual style of the game is literally blank backgrounds with some slight details to be like, oh, there's trees back there. Or, you know, that's a wall back there kind of stuff, you know. But there's yeah. nothing Metroid-y about it or anything. Yeah. But with your rewind and all that, it's pretty decent. Um, I did have uh, uh, an annoying time with uh, the first boss It has like an overpower mode where you just go into like a super powered state to do a bunch of damage. But I did that against the boss and they had nothing left on their bar and they were still around. And I was very confused and lost the first time because of that. Because I had no point of reference after that of like how much more I needed to do. Uh, and it was one of those boss fights where they just swoop in. Uh, where you're at and you have to you have to know all their moves up front before you can really beat it so there you go that's three games Two the NES games are pretty good uh, the Game Boy games not that good but you have like 15 of those on the NSO
1: so you know not much to
0: really complain about there
1: yeah I mean I never even knew um, the Game Boy had a Castlevania game, uh, much less that it came out in 1998, which is actually rather late in that uh, system's lifespan, so that's cool. Um, then as for the other two games, never knew they existed, but I'll give them a try, um, especially knowing that one of them was done by Miyamoto and Tezuka. So, yeah,
0: should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Castlevania on Game Boy had a few games. Uh, I think one is... I'm not sure what the see if I can find out which ones they are. There's like one that's like called Castlevania two, but it's not a version of Castlevania two. I forget. There's weird stuff like that out of it, but I had that one. I think it came out in the early nineties, but not legends. Um, So yeah, it's weird where they had all this stuff, but there's also the point where they're putting out Castlevania 64 uh, and that kind of stuff for just trying everything. Had a Castlevania on every system, and it's a it's a weird thing when the it was a precursor to when that franchise became a portable exclusive uh, franchise because the N sixty four games and the PS two games did not do well, and they put all their mainline stuff on the the Game Boy Advance and DS. So yeah, there you go. Uh, but also speaking of NSO, the Mario Kart eights. Deluxe Final Booster Course Pass Wave 6. I guess the full name there uh, will finally be coming out November 9th here, later this week. It uh, includes eight new courses, including Mario Wii, uh, MR Kart Wii's Rample Road, four new racers, a new music player uh, feature, and uh, some other stuff. So uh, that'll bring up the game's course count to 96. Uh, which is double what the, the game originally came with. Uh, so, yeah, what do they have here? Rome Avanti from Mario Kart Tour, DK Mountain from Double Dash, Daisy Circuit from Wii, and Piranha Plant Cove is a new track. Uh, then Spiny Cup has Madrid Drive from Tour, Rosalina's Ice World from Mario Kart 7, Bowser Castle 3 from Super Mario Kart, and Rainbow Row from Mario Kart Wii. Uh, the four new racers are Funky Kong, from Mario Kart, we Diddy Kong from Double Dash, Pauline and Peachette from Tour. Uh, let's see, you'll get sixteen additional me racing suits, a bonus Daisy racing suit, a by scanning any Daisy amiibo, and yeah, adds a new music player feature. Let's listen to music from each course starting November 9th. Uh So yeah, twenty five bucks for the the booster pack course pass, and uh, or it's a uh, part of Nintendo. Uh, switch online plus expansion pack
1: is that 25 bucks for all six waves yeah that's actually a really awesome value considering it pretty much like doubles even triples the amount of content that's already in mario kart 8 deluxe but yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really i'm really excited for this release especially knowing that there's a new course there that hasn't been in any other mario kart game before and um, yeah i i didn't expect more characters again so that's Definitely a cool thing. And if you have NSO, it's even better. So I'm looking forward to trying this out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And yeah, speaking of subscription services, Apple Arcade is still a thing and getting exclusive games. So you thought Sonic Superstars was the only Sonic game for this year? Uh, It's not. Mm. Sonic Dream Team is a 3D action platformer coming to Apple Arcade. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. December 5th. Uh, So you'll be able to play it on there. Uh, Let's see. Dr. Eggman has discovered the Reverie, a special ancient device that can manifest dreams in the real world. Mm -hmm. It's up to Sonic the Hedgehog and friends to stop him. Uh, You navigate twisted dreamscapes, rescue your friends, and put a stop to Dr. Eggman's nightmarish dreams of world domination. Mm -hmm. Very different from the other games. Uh, It has six playable characters, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, Amy Rose, Cream, and Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's uh neat. Uh, you'll be able to play that on iPhone, iPad, Mac, or Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any other platform, you can go to hell. Yep, <laughs> it's not coming to any of them for the foreseeable future. Maybe in a few years, I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But otherwise, you better be on Apple. But hey, uh, let's see for. Uh, some cool stuff uh, from the developer of the Bloodborne PSX release yeah. earlier this year. Uh, they yeah. uh, sort of teased. This was like a an April Fool's tease from a few years ago. Bloodborne oh, cart, yeah. and the the developer said like, "Hey, what if I actually make that?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be out on itch.io on January thirty first, twenty twenty four. Put out a trailer showing it off and. Yeah, three-person development team uh, announced all of this. Yeah, it's got 12 playable characters, I believe. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: A single-player campaign, local split-screen, competitive battle mode, Uh, 16 tracks on the streets of Yarnum and beyond,
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: 12 playable racers, including the the stoic hunter Lady Maria, and even boss fights. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of wild to have this sort of fan game be kind of a fully fledged out, you know, cart racing game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like Sony should make some sort of deal to get this on PS5. Absolutely. Uh, that,
2: that would be a pretty cool thing to see. Oh, yeah. And remember, th- this whole project is literally made by three people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. So, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, largely headed up by Lilith Walther, who's the primary creative party. But by the way, if you're on social media, you absolutely can follow her on Twitter. Sure she is freaking hilarious and amazing. But yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, definitely want to play this when it comes out. Yeah. Should be pretty well playable by most people with a PC. Mhm.
0: Uh so yeah, that's a that's something that's very cool. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh but let's get to uh, some uh, industry news. Atari announced that they have, or they are going to acquire, uh, Digital Eclipse, uh, which is I think it's about, yeah, you know, they're spending six point five million on the acquisition, mm. with a remaining earnout of up to thirteen point five million in cash over the next ten years, mm. based on the studio's future performance. Uh, it's set to be completed, as, you know, if it's not now, it's in the the near future. Uh, but this sort of extends the the things Atari's been doing for a good bit now of focusing on retro games of sorts, where they've been remaking a lot of their classic stuff in the Recharged series that they've been doing, uh, as well as the like the the new Atari 2600 Plus that they have coming out. So they acquired Night Dive Studios earlier this year, who made the Quake Two Remaster, yeah. among other things, is one of the best studios out there. Doing remasters and, you know, breathing new life into old games. Oh, yeah. And Digital Clips has been doing that as well of late uh, with uh, the TMNT collection, the Atari 50, uh, the making of Karatika, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So this makes a lot of sense for Atari to invest in them Mm -hmm. as uh, a part of that vision. And, uh, yeah, they put up an FAQ with a bunch of information of, like, Saying like, no, this isn't gonna force us to only focus on Atari games. Mm-hmm. Like, they're gonna keep working on all the the projects they have been, and you know have the the independent uh, decisions to work on what they want. Though I'm sure that if they get the opportunity to work on more Atari stuff, they won't say no to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like they just released. A, what did they just release? Um, they just put up a big yeah. Let's no it's not mentioned here. Yeah. They were doing something else, i forget. Uh what it is, but yeah, they got they got a lot of cool stuff in the works. And so yeah, hopefully this just make sure that that studio can keep going for the foreseeable future. Uh so yeah, there you go. Uh, and other acquisition news, Developer Digital has acquired System Era Softworks, and then you might know their main game Astroneer. Mhm. Uh yeah, Space Survival Game, uh, that game is uh, very good. Uh, so hopefully that's uh, a good partnership there because uh, they, they're they very good at making uh, uh, that kind of game, probably other games as well. But uh, hopefully this is a, a good thing for the future. Whatever else they're going to be working on next. So yeah, hopefully that, uh, that works out for the devs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go our studios under Devolver digital's umbrella. And yeah, let's see here, Deltarune, a thing we have not heard of for a while since they dropped chapter 2 in 2021. Um yeah. And, and if you don't know Deltarune, you probably know Undertale, Toby Fox's uh big release. This is sort of a a successor of sorts, though they just turned all the letters around to make another word uh to uh do that. So uh, that first chapter came out in 2018. It's sort of released as like a demo on PlayStation, Switch, and PC uh, with those two chapters in it. Um, there's been more that's supposed to be in the works, and we haven't heard anything from Toby Fox since then, but uh, we got some news this week that uh, chapter three is nearing completion. Uh, Toby says, Let's see, I think it's a good time to rediscuss how we will release Deltarune for purchase. My original plan was to release Chapter 3, 4, and 5 together. However, the finish line of Chapter 5 is still pretty far off, and I don't think anybody really wants to wait that long to release anything, especially me. So the new strategy, no more waiting for Chapter 5. Instead, we're going to focus on putting Deltarune out for purchase once we finish Chapter 4. That should make everything a bit more reasonable. Chapter 4 already has a substantial amount of cutscenes, enemy work done. Also, I've hired a new producer's entire job It will be to speed up the overall game development for future chapters. So I feel very optimistic about the next steps of this project. That being said, though, I think I'm going to pause on more detailed development updates for now. So I'll just let you guys know if the development is getting close to completion or if something funny happens. And so, yeah. um, Looks like 3 probably is not too far from being done, but but from the way that that is worded, Sounds he's going to wait until Chapter 4 is done to release both of them uh, for that. And then not make people wait for 5 to get finished to get the other two. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be uh, at least probably better. Hopefully, yeah, it might have Chapter 4 by next year at some point. I hope so. Yeah, which uh, I need to get back to Undertale and beat that. Yeah, I'll Probably just start sure. over again at this point. I think I was dealing with Sons and his brother and that, and that was, that was where I left off. But, uh, yeah, there you go. More Deltarune at some point. Uh, so, yeah. Next up here, some bad news on the Microsoft front. Uh, they have announced this new policy uh, where uh, for the, the past uh, probably about 10 years or so since the Xbox One launched, Microsoft has kind of taken uh a sort of hands-off approach to third party peripherals, at least unauthorized stuff. Kind of let people, you know, use the the controllers that's and adapters and such that are out there as long as they're not, you know, doing anything too bad to the system. Uh, but uh, which you know includes fight sticks that you know until fairly recently has not been many sort of official avenues for that stuff on Xbox since the Xbox one launched. Uh, Cause that's when Microsoft kind of got really uh, tight on licensing things. They've been a little bit looser lately, though, mostly just for wired controllers. Um, and yeah, this has been something that's popped up in the past couple of weeks where people are putting in, you know, some of these controllers and getting error messages. that said that this, let's see. Using unauthorized accessories compromises your gaming experience. For this reason, the unauthorized accessory will be blocked from use on November 12th, 2023. So people are like, what the hell is this? It seems like a way for Microsoft to, you know, uh, make more money, like force people to go the official route if they want to use, you know, off-brand controllers and such. Uh, Especially a lot of this stuff tends to be more accessibility focused um especially for people that maybe don't like the xbox controllers so much like they prefer like the a dualshock controller there's adapters that let you use you know a dualshock 4 switch controller or something with uh an xbox that kind of stuff as well as uh, some of the more third-party stuff that has special uh, adapters on them that don't necessarily work well with the adaptive controller but yeah this is uh, kind of whole thing. And then we got like more official word out of this uh, from Microsoft where, uh, let's see, a spokesperson for Microsoft confirmed the ban will soon go into effect and said it's for performance, security and safety. Uh, Microsoft and other license, ex- license Xbox part hardware partners, accessories are designed to manufacture quality standards, for performance, security and safety Unauthorized accessories can compromise the gaming experience on Xbox consoles. Players may receive a pop-up warning if their accessory is unauthorized. Eventually, the unauthorized accessory will be blocked from use to preserve the console gaming experience. And that's kind of a uh, a weird thing, especially uh, as people have you know invested in these controllers and adapters and such. That you know now they're basically being told like ah you're gonna have to buy official stuff if you really want to play on Xbox. And this has just been uh, Uh, kind of a clusterfuck of a way of handling all this, especially as there's no real official big message from Microsoft, you know, explaining like why they're doing this and all this. Uh, It's very obvious. It's like wanting them to not get these, you know, unauthorized, these unlicensed controllers and adapters and such. And they've effectively tried to say like, Oh, well, if you still want to use these, you know, plug them into the adaptive controller, which, I've seen that's not a thing that common, you know, actually works a lot of the time. I've seen people, you know, suggest that they have issues being plugged in the adaptive controller, uh, still. So I don't know if they're going to do extra work on this stuff, but yeah, this is kind of a, a weird thing to go into on this without any sort of clear messaging as to why they're doing this outside of obvious reasons. Um, with uh, money and uh, there are some of these devices that are more aimed at cheating in multiplayer games, allowing you to use, you know, mice to control uh, your aim and shooters, that kind of stuff. And yeah, it just led to a very weird uh, whole thing here, especially as the manufacturers like Burke gaming and some of these others are now having to deal with a lot of extra uh, messaging work to, figure out, you know, what their path forward might be uh, for products and all that kind of stuff now that this is a big issue for them. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, kind of a whole messy situation. We'll see yeah. if there's anything that happens here over the the next week as this goes into effect. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I believe there was a, a message out there being like, try to get a refund from your retailer or manufacturer. It's like, mm-hmm people have had this shit for years. What the fuck are you acting like people can get refunds on this stuff for? That's just some really kind of shitty way to handle this, especially as, you know, uh, this is effectively going to shut down a lot of the FTC stuff with the Xbox platform, especially as Phil has, you know, been working hard trying to get all these third-party fighting games on the system. And if you don't have very many options for those fight sticks and all that, like that harms the, those people
1: a lot Mm -hmm.
0: that uh, have invested in Xbox as their main platform.
1: So yeah, there you go. That's yeah. I mean, like you just mentioned it, uh, especially with the fighting game community where a lot of people custom build their own uh, arcade sticks and whatnot, or, you know, just controls in general for the, for the sake of accessibility. It's just a, head-scratching decision uh, that Microsoft made when they've been so open to this kind of thing. So it'll be Mm. interesting to see how they move forward here. Um, I I, I understand why the decision was made, but it's just, I don't know, it just seems very anti-consumer when Microsoft has been everything but that this generation.
0: Yeah. It's sort of them taking their own L in this situation Mm. for no reason other than they want more of that money. They want people to buy their official controllers and. Adaptive controller and whatnot, though so like, who even knows how well this stuff will work with the adaptive controller, if it does at all? Mm. I've seen a lot of people talk about there. There's certain controllers that just don't react the way that they should because they're not designed to go through the adaptive controller and the way that thing works. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just kind of a shitty way to do this, especially abruptly. They gave people, you know, a few months to try to figure out what's going on. Uh, Maybe that would be a little bit better, but still at this point it's putting all these uh, players and companies and such just on the uh, the back burner here and trying to, you know, they should really be expanding their licensing stuff, you know, get these controllers to be official in some way. But who knows if that's really in the works when they're trying to, you know, offer ways of using, you know. PlayStation controllers on Xbox and that kind of stuff. Uh, who knows if Xbox will really be into that kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, yeah. There you go. Bad news on Xbox front for for the time being. We'll see if they reverse course or figure out a better solution. But who knows? Their messaging seems to be to just stay quiet.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: And let the, the small audience that it affects be affected. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Speaking of people being affected by stuff, Bungie has laid off a bunch of people. Yep. Uh, Seems like maybe about 100 or so of their staff. And yeah. um, Seems like the big reason for this is that their revenue forecast for uh, this recent quarter or year, whatever it is, was like 45% short, which that's a lot to miss by. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who knows if it's If the game, if Destiny 2 has been doing well uh, in spite of that compared to previous years, who knows. But uh, it seems like they've cut people from pretty much every department, Mm -hmm. uh, community team, from their uh, audio teams, their design and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So losing a lot of quality talent out there. People have been there for years. People have planned on, you know, being bungees for the rest of their careers and all that. but unfortunately not getting the uh the love back on that and yeah, it seems like the word uh from this is that uh it might be a Sony asking for cuts but Bungie getting to make the decision on who to cut oh. and it seems like some of the people that were cut maybe because they had uh stocks that were about to vest and become much more valuable and then uh, They, you know, release them and then nobody has those stocks anymore. That probably reverts to the company itself having them. A lot of stuff like that. And them doing this at the end of the month also means their uh, benefits would end on that month. Uh, It seems like severance would maybe keep, like, health care and that kind of stuff going for the length of that term. But uh, whatever other benefits they might have, which may deal with, like, health Uh, mental health care stuff and other things will be affected and cut short but yeah uh, it seems like bungie's ceo uh pete parsons and uh, the exec team handled this pretty poorly and especially it's like well if you guys needed to cut some money from things why not take uh your ceo pay and cut that and try to save as many jobs as possible but who knows uh, along with the as a result of all this uh they have delayed the next expansion for destiny 2 uh the final shape it was supposed to be out in february uh but it will up, it'll now be out in june yeah and marathon which might have been out by late next year will be out sometime 2025 as far as they're planning at the moment so yeah this uh this revenue miss uh, it has affected pretty much all ports, parts of the company, mm. uh, their future projects, and yeah, uh, losing a lot of people. So, not a great time for Bungie right now, mm-hmm. and not a great mar- uh, messaging time for Bungie as well as they've handling the stuff pretty poorly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real bummer. It seems like every week we're hearing about a different gaming company going through some sort of layoff. And there's always something that you know makes it a little bit more interesting, whether it's becoming the the severance package or the lack thereof one. And you know, hearing the reporting from you know Kotaku and places like that over the course of the layoff is just really disappointing, especially the, that one bit about um, you know having uh benefits for the rest of the month except you know you were fired on october 30th which means okay your benefits are gone two days from now things like that Uh, also the thing i read about the um their stock being pretty much taken away because you have to have your job for a matter of months when that's not the case for uh, plenty of uh people in the industry and you know it sucks but that's also the real reality of uh games that just don't hit their uh uh, their metrics. Um, at the same time, it's it's a bummer because sometimes the metrics are unattainable, especially if we're going to use uh, COVID days in the, as an example. Like you know, if you're going to compare November twenty twenty to November twenty twenty three, of course it'll be different. Everyone was forced to stay at home, whereas you know now they don't have to. They don't have to be at home playing a game, and that's that's going to affect your DAU. So yeah, it's it's a bummer, but you know, hopefully these people can land on their feet. But uh that's neither here nor there. I mean we live in a reality where if your game is not making a whole lot of money, you can you might be laid right off the next week. That's just the way it works. And there's no there's no um union for a lot of these companies. And the hard part is if, if a union was built, like they can easily regulate your pay. So it's it's a tough world. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. And it's uh been bummer of news of late, seeing as all all these layoffs especially as we're getting into game of the year season is, you know, you'll see Jeff Keeley talking about how amazing of a year it's been. It's like, yeah, kind of, but also all these layoffs has kind of soured a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, for as good as the games have been that have come out, you know, it's like the human side of those releases and releases coming out over the next few years mm-hmm. has been not great. Yeah. Uh, Especially for people that have been, you know, working their asses off for making these cool games. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the thing that kind of makes you feel like, well, yeah, maybe it's a great year, but also it's not a great year
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, for the industry is, you know, every publisher seems to be having hard times and having to lay off people as a result, whether it's real hard times or if it's like we want to make more money and we're not making enough more money. We Mm want to make much more money so we got to lay people off so we have the opportunity to make way more money.
2: Mm.
0: And it's like, yeah. That's the the shitty part of this uh industry right now. Everybody's hedging their bets as much as they can.
2: Mm.
0: So yeah, that's uh that's going to do it for the show. End on another bummer.
2: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: But yeah, we got the, the holiday season here ramping up. Releases. Uh let's see. What else we got coming out for releases? Uh we got the invincibles this week. Uh they'll be out on Monday. Uh like a dragon guide in on the ninth. Call of Duty's finally out on the tenth. People have been playing the the campaign. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that the, the the new trophies for Modern Warfare 3 are I think on at least uh Uh, Steam and PlayStation are DLC trophies, so there's no Platinum on PlayStation for that game, because it's treated as DLC for Modern Warfare 2. That's just kind of funny there, Um, because they insist on putting it all as part of that Call of Duty launcher, and that kind of makes it a a very weird situation. So, uh, that seems like the, the big games for this week, not... A ton of other big stuff, but there's going to be plenty of other things coming out. So, yeah, thank you all for uh, tuning in. Thank you to Brandon and Dan for joining. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. And if you enjoy the show, if you let friends and family know, they should check it out and select strangers uh, that, uh, you know, have uh, lots of cool stuff to play. We want to play with you or just talk games with you. Um, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you have a good week ahead and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.